The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with best-selling author, speaker, and motivational coach, April Joy Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she's gone from tragedy to triumph. She'll help you to do the same. Get empowered by taking a holistic approach. Now, here is your host, April Joy Ford. Welcome, I'm April Joy Ford, the voice of You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. And we're here not only to inspire and empower, but to change and save lives. Hello to all of my fans and listeners globally. Each listener is a life and each life does matter. I know you guys are seeking answers and solutions to your situations and setbacks, and I'm glad you've tuned in for another week to get some tools and truth to get empowered. Go ahead and reach out to me on social media and let me know where you're listening in from. We've got multiple countries listening in each and every week. I'm mostly on Facebook. You can find me on the fan page, Joys of Ya, or my personal page is The April Joy Ford. So know that you are not alone and that there is hope. And I'm here to just tell you that there's golden blessings to be discovered, even when life throws you that curveball and you can still experience joy. So our episode today is on designing perseverance, how design thinking and experience design principles can help you overcome adversity. Can you really design perseverance to overcome adversity? Our guest, uh, Julian Scaff, will educate and empower you on how design thinking and experience design principles can really help you conquer life's challenges. He'll share how to practice and apply to any adversity. So when life does throw you that curveball, you can have tools to overcome it. Wouldn't you want to know how you're supposed to develop skills when you're in survival mode, when you're already depleted, overwhelmed maybe, and even exhausted from the challenge itself that you're facing? So just a little bit of background about my guest Julian today. He is also a professor, again, a designer, filmmaker, electronic musician, and media artist. He's a native of California, and he's been a professional designer for more than 20 years, working for many tech companies and for nonprofits. So over the last decade, Julian has taught at universities all around the world, in the United States, Europe, and in the Middle East. He's the author of two artist books and has published numerous articles on design and sustainability and has been exhibited in art and design works and exhibitions internationally throughout the world so let's welcome our guest this week julian how are you i'm great thank you for having me 
Yeah, nice to actually have you back. We met, um, I think it was about a month ago, we recently met at the Wonder Woman Tech Conference, and your topic there was on women in the tech field of balancing work-life balance, and I encourage our listeners out there to listen to the repeat of Julian's uh, interview. If you go to the main site of voiceamerica.com, all you have to do is click on the live events tab and the archives are listed on the right-hand side. So, Julian, what did you think of the conference overall about the women in the tech field? Uh, it was an incredible conference, and um, I'm, uh, I've known the, the, the organizer and the founder of Wonder Women in Tech, uh, Lisa Mae Brunson. Um, she's an incredible person, um, and it's just so inspirational to see the work that she's done. Um, you know, she started a, a few years ago just running little hackathons in L.A. For, to try to get women interested in tech and inspire people. And then to see it grow to this big conference with speakers from all of the country and all of the world um, is just is a real inspiration. She is. She's definitely come a long way. And I briefly spoke to her just today. And a lot's on the horizon for what's to come in the upcoming um, conference itself. So look out for the Wonder Woman Tech Conference and stay tuned. They'll be working closely with our show here in Voice America. So how did you get into the design field? Uh, well, I always had an interest in, in design in all sorts of different disciplines. Um, from when I was a kid, I, I think it started with playing with Legos, just just uh, you know taking this approach, this systematic approach to to building and designing things. Um, in college, I studied architecture, I studied graphic design, I studied film and mass media. So I always had a, an interest in, in lots of different uh, design disciplines. Awesome, awesome. Did you gravitate more towards maybe one area or another? You know, I, I, I always jumped around different areas, and, and sometimes, you know, um, especially in college when I was a, a young, young adult, um, I got criticized for not focusing on one thing. Um, but I think I was always just driven by this curiosity uh, of, of having this multidisciplinary approach. Um, and it's kind of what eventually brought me, uh, without planning to, to the field of experience design, which is very interdisciplinary. And so, so jumping around all these different subject matters actually ended up really helping my career um, in, in um, going to a, a field, the field of experience design that is very multidisciplinary. Um, but I still do lots of, of different things. I do music, and I, I make video art and installation art and things like that. And so um, I, I think I'm just, uh, at the heart of it, I'm driven by curiosity. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, and I'd like to echo on, is that sometimes you might get a little resistance or feedback that we should really focus on one area and I've gotten that myself because I'm also like you kind of interested in, in knowing a lot of things I like to learn at uh, different things but it's also like you said putting those skill sets together and really create something what would you encourage for our audience out there who's listening who's maybe in that same place where they're feeling a little bit discouraged right I I would say you know trust yourself trust what's what feels true to yourself and for me, like I actually, in an early part of my career, I did try to focus. I focused in, and worked as a graphic designer and a web designer. Um, but what I found was that after a year or two, I I got really bored with it. It just didn't have the the breadth and the intellectual challenge that I was looking for. And so I started trying to insert other things into my work. And this was in the late 1990s when experience design was really just getting started. Um, 
so I started to, to draw upon things I learned in college or things I learned in books to, uh, to expand what I was doing. And, and what that field became was the field of experience design or UX design, uh, which uh, I now teach um, uh, at the school that I teach at, a school called General Assembly. Um, and so trusting myself and saying, you know, just focusing on that, you know, one little narrow field of graphic design, it wasn't for me. It wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and expanding it and, and moving into a field that was just, just getting invented at the time uh, ended up being the right fit for me. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, just really, really trusting yourself and what's true, what's true to yourself uh, is important. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be a little bit scary if you're leading the way or pioneering an avenue that hasn't been paid before. Like I said, back then, you know, having various disciplinary fields into creating something as one, it wasn't maybe seen as as popular, you know, in, in, in the masses. But let's talk about a little about what is, you know, or how do we practice experience design? Right. Well, it, it's it's all based on uh, what's called um, human-centered design. So it... Um, and one thing I like to say is that art is about the artist, but design is about people. It's about community. Um, and the most important skill for a designer is empathy. Um, it's not any particular software or technical skill. It's empathy for other people. Um, and so experience design really draws upon a lot of disciplines. Certainly um, visual design is one part of it, but also borrows from the social sciences, from anthropology, sociology, and psychology, the study of of human thinking and human behavior, and and utilizing that the design process to to research um, how people think and how people behave uh, under different situations, um, and then it also applies a scientific approach. Of you have a hypothesis, you uh, design a prototype, and you actually go test it and you see if it works or not. And the things that don't work, you bring them back and you iterate on those and and refine your design and try again. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, failure is, a, is, a, is an important part of the process as well. You try things out. You try crazy ideas and see how they work and how they don't work. Uh, and then you come back with a, a better idea that's more refined. Yeah. And I like how you said that failure is part of success. I think that's one of the hard things um, people, especially in the, the younger generations or the millennials, are having a hard time grasping because we're in the microwave society and we're just wanting everything now, you know, at the, at the miracle of an instant. And that's their perception or belief or version of success. And it, it doesn't paint the real picture that it's really going to come with, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And that has failure in the equation as well. Absolutely. And, and, and we're taught that failure is a bad thing. You want to avoid it. Um, but with something like design, actually, if you get a design right the first time, you actually haven't learned anything. So mm-hmm. actually getting getting things wrong and, and failing and having it fall apart is where you really learn. Um, and I think, you know, that's an important thing in life as well, that we learn from our own personal failures, uh, even more than we learn from our successes. And how, do you, how are you able to teach that uh, in your class, in the UX design at the General Assembly with um, your students? We actually, from, from day one, we really encourage students to fail. We encourage them to try crazy ideas. Um, and so it's, it's part of the culture in the classroom that innovation only happens if you take risks. Um, and so you have to throw crazy ideas out there. Um, 
And um, it's, it's one of the practices of innovative companies, actually. And so um, at companies like uh, Apple and Google, um, employees actually get rewarded for failure. Um, if you haven't failed enough, it means you aren't trying enough ideas. And, and I do the same thing in my classroom as well, that you need to, if you're not failing, you're not trying new ideas enough. And so, you know, I, I, the metaphor that I like is, is like throwing spaghetti at a wall. So you pick up a handful of spaghetti, that's all the ideas you have. You throw them all at the wall and you see which one sticks. See what um, sticks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Testing out which, which spaghetti noodle is really cooked <laughs> and it works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so going back to the skill, I know you said one of the most important ones in experience design is empathy, but I remember from your TED Talk, you also um, named some other skills. What are some other skills besides empathy? Right. Um, another skill is, is what I call sideways thinking. Um, and so it's it's making connections between things that, that don't seem connected, Um and that's, that's an important uh, part of innovation and coming up with new ideas as well is, is trying to form these connections. And it means, you know, taking your, your creative process away from the computer screen and you go out and talk to people and, and interact with people and you get yourself into to different situations and things like that. Um, so and, uh, let me interrupt you here, Julie, for a second, because just as when you said that, I, you know, I'm picturing in my mind and it could just be my my personal stereotypical belief, but I did have a background in electrical engineering and I was in the tech field for about 14 years. When you say somebody who's like working in the lab or in front of the computer, who's really creative and innovative, most of the population, not all, I know I'm generalizing, but most of that population, they tend not to have that human element of interaction with another person, the people skills, the EQ, as far as the IQ is, you know, might be heavy on one side. What would you recommend to break some of the, some of those barriers? Well, one of the one, one of the methods that's used in the design field is uh, a method called Design Studio, um, and it's actually a method of, of collaborative design of of ideating together and. And um, it's important to, to do this with, with people of different disciplines in order to share ideas. And so in a design studio, it's, it's, um, the designer, instead of being um, someone who produces work, is someone who facilitates uh, human interaction. Um, and so um, you have a, set, uh, a short period of time. People um, write, individually write down ideas on Post-it notes, and then you start to organize those ideas uh, into groups. And, and the designer is, is really the, the conductor or the facilitator uh, of this exercise. Um, and it's important also in Design Studio to, to not shoot down any ideas. You accept all the ideas um, as they are. Um, and then if you organize them onto a table or onto a wall, you can kind of um, uh, create what you call a mind map where you start to cluster these ideas into groups together and see what the relationships are. So this helps to um, uh, come up with new ideas. You start to combine ideas to, to get these these combinations that uh, oh. where innovation happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great exercise because it, it gets you away from the computer screen. It gets you interact with people. It's it's really an important method for, for human-centered design. Okay, perfect. All right, we're on a hard stop right now, so let's go ahead and break for our first commercial break and meet us back more with Julian as we talk about how to apply some of these principles when you are dealing with a life challenge or adversity. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down? Are you sick and tired of feeling depressed, down, and just plain unhappy? Get yourself out of this rut. Take action. Break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, at MyJoyAgain.com. This book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again, enjoy life, and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you. Visit MyJoyAgain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470. The keyword, joy. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back to another episode here on You Are Not Alone. Again, to get your survival guide to life's challenges, download the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, at myjoyagain.com. Or text the keyword JOY to 38470. And if you're also interested in the Breakthrough the Barriers program for trauma-informed care and self-care, you can text the keyword TRAUMA to 38470. So our episode this week is Designing Perseverance, How Design Thinking and Experienced Design Principles Can Help You Overcome Adversity. Our guest, Julian Scaff, is a professional designer for more than 20 years and he's worked all over the world um, teaching some of his design principles. So we're going to get into how he transitioned from designing to now teaching. Julian, share a little bit about that story and how you made that transition. Sure. I, I, I've always been really um, driven uh, to help people. Um, and uh, and I think there is something inherently about this in, in the field of design about about helping me make people's lives better. If you're designing a chair, you're trying to design a chair that will make sitting better for people. Or if you're designing an app, it's to create joy or to make someone's task easier and things like that. Um, but I was I was really drawn to teaching because I I wanted to help change people's lives and. Um, and when I first started trying out teaching, teaching workshops and things like that, I just really liked it, and I and I felt I was good at it. And so, 
I decided to make the, the transition uh, to teaching. So I still do design consulting work on the side, especially for nonprofits. Um, but uh, I'm full-time, I've been full-time teaching uh, for about a decade now. Um, and, uh, and I just, I love it. I still, uh, I still love that, that process of, of discovery and, and um, mentorship that I get to do with my students. Okay. Now let's give an example for our audience, you know, for a time when you have used the design thinking to overcome some adversity or, or maybe some of your students. Yeah. So um, a few years ago, I was, uh, I was an assistant professor at a university in the Midwest. Um, and um, when I, uh, arrived at the university, I didn't really know anyone there, so all of my colleagues there were new to me. And, and um, uh, gradually, um, as you know, the first semester I was there, or the first year I was there, I started to discover that in my department um, there was there was some really um, terrible cases of, of sexual harassment going on um, that were being perpetrated by by some of the senior faculty. Um, uh, um, against students, um, and um, this put me in a really difficult situation because some of my students, who were my mentees, were were victims of of this this harassment. Um, and clearly, the harassment had was part of the culture there. It was it was very ingrained. It had been going on for years, if not decades. Um, but it was something that um, uh, profoundly disturbed me, and and I'm. Uh, very adamantly opposed to, and, and so I had to speak up about it. Um, and in doing so, I put myself at great risk. Um, and I, um, I also assumed that the university probably didn't know about it, and that's why nothing had been done for so long. Um, but what I discovered was that the university may have known about it, and they certainly didn't want to do anything about it. They wanted to just keep it quiet and sweep it under the rug. And so... I then became target of retaliation um, by by colleagues, um, and um, and clearly the university was not going to either fix the situation or protect me either. That they were just going to try to legally cover themselves and try to make the problem go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it became it was very isolating. You know, I was living in a city where I didn't really know anybody. Um, I didn't have the support of my colleagues. Um, and yet it was a fight that I was not willing to give up. So um, I actually stayed on longer than I, um, than I wanted to in order to try to help my students um, because those, you know, they were the real victims of, of the situation uh, going right. on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what um, Title IX is for, is to help, you know, the sexual harassment or sexual assault on campus. And I think there's a statistic out there that says at the university campus that only uh, 40% of these cases get reported. Um, So there's a really low statistic on what incidents really um, do occur that are being reported. Absolutely. And and what I discovered, and I, and perhaps I was a bit naive in thinking, well, we have Title IX, and so surely, you know, something will happen if there's one whistleblower, you can, uh, uh, you can disrupt the wrongdoing that's going on. And what I discovered is that universities are actually very powerful to to keep people quiet, uh, 
to make payments to, to individuals, um, to put pressure on people to not speak up. Um, and so, you know, to this day, nobody that at, at that particular institution has, has been held accountable. Um, the, the best I could do was actually to, to help the students who were some of the victims simply transfer out, um, and, and oh, out of the school out. or out of the class, the same class? Uh, no, out of out of the university, like help them transfer to other universities. Oh, uh, wow. And um, and some of the students were under uh, tremendous pressure because they were being threatened with not being allowed to graduate if they made a complaint um, or losing their financial support and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's so, a difficult position. Yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah, put people in a very... Uh, difficult position. I was receiving personal threats uh, as well, mm-hmm. um, and so what you know when I realized that the uh, that basically I wasn't going to be able to fix the situation myself. Um, I really kind of designed a scenario where I had um, you know a date by which I was going to leave, and I realized I just had to leave the institution. But before then, I I designed a strategy to to help the students who were victims of this. And so um, I was really using design thinking methodology uh, to help formulate an exit plan, um, uh, mostly, you know, for my students. Um, and then lastly, okay. for myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, please really do if you it. feel inclined to share that. I mean, what does that exit plan look like based on some of the design thinking skills? Right. So um, just to back up a little bit, design thinking, which is a popular term now, especially in business, but it's been around for a very long time in the design field. It's, it's a methodology that's used by designers to solve complex problems um, and to be able to find desirable solutions. And so uh, a design thinking mindset is not problem focused, it's, it's solution focused, and it's also human focused. So it's focused on solutions for people. Um, and so what I did was I worked with my students to um, uh, formulate, you know, what their objectives were, um, what their life objectives were, uh, and to help them strategically um, take classes that would uh, avoid um, the faculty who were um, uh, uh, sexual predators or or sexual harassment perpetrators, um, and to also find um, other universities where they could transfer. Um, and in a couple of cases, I actually uh, spoke to other universities and helped to facilitate those transfers and helped to get all their credits transferred and things like that. And so um, actually student by student, I, I formulated plans to help them um, transfer out. In one case, a student was, was very close to graduating, so I helped her formulate a plan to graduate and simply avoid um, the uh, the professors who were uh, who were predatory, um, and so I you know I designed all of these 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 plans these exit strategies for each of the students uh, to be able to survive um, this situation and to to keep out of harm's way. Wow, that's amazing! I mean, it takes a lot of effort and energy to work on a case by case basis with these survivors because it's it's you know each one is unique and you can't have a cookie cutter approach or just one plan that fits into everybody. But at least with you, you were brave enough to you know take on some of the risk to create something as a baseline to start with. Yeah, it was 
um, it was a very tough period, but, um, but it was, and it was interesting. I never foresaw using my, uh, design expertise and training in, in this way. Um, but I, I think it turned out to be very useful and, and I hope that I also taught something to the students about self-empowerment, um, mm-hmm. and how to use, uh, design skills, not just, uh, professionally, but in their life as well. Right. Right. Okay, so when we come back from our break, we're going to talk more with Julian and how our audience can also use um, some of the design thinking principles for some of the adversity that they're also facing. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April Joy Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call into 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back, and if you are just now joining us, I encourage you to listen to the replay after our episode today with our guest, Julian Scaff. He shared just before the break on his story and how he was able to use some of these skill sets he's learned in design thinking into a real-life situation when he was teaching at a university, and topics of sexual harassment and Title IX came about with some of his mentees and students, so he applied a strategy and a plan to help some of those survivors. So in directly applying this to somebody out there um, listening, Julian, if somebody's already you know, in survival mode trying to deal with an adversity or challenge, uh, how are they supposed to develop a skill when they're already at a place where they feel depleted, maybe they're overwhelmed or just exhausted from the actual challenge itself that they're facing. Mm-hmm. I I think it's it's actually a really good time to to learn uh, these skills and uh, and apply them because it can give you something to focus on. Um, and certainly, you know, when I've been at difficult points in my life, to find to find something new to learn or something new to focus on. Um, can be tremendously helpful and, and empowering. And even when you're exhausted and you feel like you're at the end, end of your rope, um, having, you know, engaging in something new can can be revitalizing and, and give you the energy to, to be able to survive and push through it. Um, oh, that's and, actually a good know, point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and learning how to think like a designer um, 
can really transform the way in which you approach life's problems. Um, design thinking is, is actually a, it's a very deeply human process. Um, it taps into our, our natural uh, problem-solving skills. It taps into our, our natural intuition um, and helps us to, to recognize patterns um, and to put together um, solutions that are emotionally meaningful um, as well as functional um, and to be able to express ourselves um, uh, in, in creative ways uh, that can really help us in all aspects of life. Yeah, and I hope you guys are paying close attention as you're taking notes with what Julian just said, because he said one of the key words is recognize. And each and every week I give my audience a reminder to follow the four-step process, which is the first one is to recognize. Let's recognize the rubble that later become barriers or roadblocks to our milestones of if it's success or if it's joy or happiness that you're trying to obtain or fulfillment, but also recognize... Um, some of the solutions and it's like this creative thinking process where it's focused on um, solving complex problems and it's solution based obviously when you're dealing with a life um, challenge you're looking for a solution to your challenge absolutely now how can our audience if this is something new to them what would be um, something simple that they can implement to just start with, like start with something simple. What's a practical exercise that they can do? Mm-hmm. One of one of the things that designers do a lot is is sketching on paper, and and you don't have to be good at drawing to sketch. So sketching is about um, putting rough ideas or thoughts um, onto paper, um, using not only words but also shapes and symbols. So. If you can draw a stick figure, you can sketch. That's that's what I like to tell my students. Um, and um, you know, oftentimes putting um, problems into a, a diagram on a piece of paper um, or just doodling and things like that is is a great way to sort of put what's what's knocking around inside of our heads down onto paper. And just just that process of of visualizing something where you can see it externally to yourself um, is a tremendous step. Uh, in addressing a problem. And it's, it's one of the first things we do as designers. Um, you know, our first sketches, um, and I, I also use, like to use a whiteboard um, because it's, mm-hmm. um, it's great for collaboration. Multiple people can draw on it. But even if it's just sketching on a piece of paper, what I like to say is that the, the first sketches the designer makes are not working towards a solution. They're just an articulation of what the problem is. All right, Julian, you were talking about the, um, you know, ideas of sketching your ideas on paper and really putting the problems into a diagram to be able to visualize um, some potential solutions, which I like. I, I love um, even journaling, you know, journaling, whether it's writing or drawing a picture serves a lot of power to getting your mind thinking on possible solutions and also um, addressing some of your emotions when you're dealing with a life challenge and adversity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and journaling is is great. Designers do this as well, and and uh, it's a method that we call contextual inquiry, where we go out and and actually just keep a journal of of how people are behaving, and as we start to think about design solutions to uh, to people's challenges. Um, but it works for us personally as well. If you can think about like, say, I'm having some financial problems, and I'm having maybe some other challenges in life, drawing a little diagram 
with some arrows connecting things can help me visualize that on paper and then start to think about solutions to it. Uh, and this, mm-hmm. is, this is something I've done in, personally in my life as well is some journaling, but also some just sketching diagrams and trying to think about the problem from different angles. Right. Right. Okay. Now, do you think when we're talking about, you know, one of the keys to overcome challenge and adversity, you mentioned empathy, but also you're really big on developing perseverance. I mean, do you think this is, quote unquote, the key to to overcome challenge or how do people develop perseverance through a challenge? I think, you know, that's that's another area where design thinking really comes in. And going back to something we talked about earlier, um, embracing uh, failure as a stepping stone towards success um, can, can really help to build our perseverance. And so if you um, have, if you feel like you've failed or, or something isn't working, um, realizing that that's not the end, it's not a reason for discouragement. It's, it's actually um, something that can help us learn and help us move forward. Um, and um, there are some concepts around there that are sometimes called failing forward or failing upward, where um, uh, embracing failure is a part of the process towards success, um, whether that's on a professional project or you know, personal developments um, or personal str- life struggles. Um, just realizing that wherever you are, um, there's, you're not at the end of the road. You're never at the end of the road. You're always just on a, there's another uh, stepping stone in front of you. Yeah. And I like that. It's all about, um, having those moments because each moment builds up to the big milestones. I think people have that going back to that, Mm -hmm. um, belief or that perception that it's always just getting to the end goal or hitting the success goal when really success is made up of little incremental um, moments and each moment, like you said, it it could be failure, but it adds towards a step in the right direction towards success. And also I think um, having a support network who are there to teach you along the way from their own mistakes to kind of shorten the road to your success so you can learn uh, from them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, um, yeah. uh, I'll i give an example. When I, I lived in uh, Europe for nine years. Um, I lived in the Netherlands. And when I lived there, I, I um, volunteered at a, um, a local refugee camp. And it's, it, was a, uh, it was a camp where they brought in um, refugees from all over the world who were seeking asylum in the Netherlands. Um, and I got the chance to work with, with families and children um, uh, from a lot of different sort of trouble spots in the world. Um, and I got to learn their stories and I used, um, uh, little design and, and art projects with them basically to, to help the kids as, as part of their education and, and therapy. Um, but just hearing their, their heartbreaking stories, um, and seeing what they'd gone to, gone through, um, and yet they never lost hope. Um, and they never lost that drive to uh, to just try to take another step forward in life um, and to try to, to reach for something uh, uh, better for themselves and for their children. Um, and um, there's uh, there's one child in, in particular I remember. It was a um, five-year-old girl um, who was uh, mute when she arrived uh, at the camp. She was from Afghanistan. She came with her mother and uh, four siblings. 
Um, and she'd been injured in a mortar attack, and so she was recovering from a head injury. She had uh, a piece of shrapnel that hit her in the head, um, and she didn't speak at all. And the, the mother said she had spoken when she was younger, but um, you know she'd experienced some horrible trauma. Um, yeah, the head trauma. Mm-hmm. And and um, head trauma, and also and also psychological and emotional trauma. And, mm-hmm. and um, she lost her father. Her father was killed um, in a bombing attack. And um, and um, she was part of a class of kids where I was teaching them uh, digital photography. Um, and I actually gave each of the kids uh, a camera to go and photograph their life, and then put together books about their life and tell stories uh, and to create stories from photos. And um, Gradually, the girls started talking again. Um, wow. And, um, and I got them all sketching also. Um, so starting to sketch out and draw their stories. Um, and that, that act of, of creation, of, of sketching and creating photographs um, and, and creating new stories, um, really, really opened them up. And, um, and, you know, they all had different stories that were, uh, they were very inspirational in, in lots of ways. But... In a lot of ways, we were all using design thinking together, creating these human stories and realizing whatever had happened in the past, there are always new stories that we can make in the future. Um, and that starts right now. It starts today. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, having that four-year-old girl starting to connect and to speak and communicate, that kind of reminds me of the story when you're speaking of digital art or doing art projects. When my kids lost their father at four and five years old, they went through, you know, counseling and therapy. But one of the modalities was um, art therapy. It was a bereavement art class um, that was offered at a local hospital that we were at. And you could just see within just eight weeks or 10 weeks of the program that the kids really start to express some of their emotions that they may not have been able to do um, verbally just through their art. And they would be able to storytell what they drew, uh, why they chose certain colors or different fabrics and whatnot. And they were able to, like you said, create the new stories, like paint a picture of what what life do you want to live um, going, you know, going forward. So it gave them a sense of, of focus, essentially. Absolutely. And any any of those sort of creative activities um, are tremendously empowering and I, I think give us the tools to move forward even as adults, at any time in our life. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and it can be journaling, it could be sketching, it could be baking photographs, it could be doing any sort of artwork, it could be you know, a coloring book. There are all sorts of wonderful uh, adult coloring books they have now, which are fantastic. Um, oh, yeah, even things. I use that. I think those are uh, tremendously empowering tools for us uh, to use that that all are employing design thinking at, at some level or another. Yeah. And it's not just, um, I mean, it goes beyond, like you said, making the, the um, choices of, okay, how do I want to paint my picture or tell my story communication, but really there's science behind it when you're able to use the left part of your brain that's analytical and logical and the right side that's creative. And when you have two, parts of your brain working together, it, it balances a lot of the chemicals in your brain. That a lot of, oftentimes when trauma is inflicted upon somebody, your, your brain on one side is usually um, overworking as opposed to both right. sides working cohesively. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it. Yeah. Okay. It's so when? Oh, go ahead, Julian. No, I was just saying. Yeah, it's tremendously therapeutic, and, and like you said, we can we can measure that physiologically in the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and take our last break, and more with Julian when we come back on using some of these tools and techniques for your own adversity and challenges, and how do you build uh, perseverance. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you have adversity or challenges in your life weighing you down? Are you sick and tired of feeling depressed, down, and just plain unhappy? Get yourself out of this rut. Take action. Break through the barriers in your life and gain the confidence that you deserve by downloading the free ebook, You Are Not Alone, at MyJoyAgain.com. This book will help you to create your own blueprint to rise above life's challenges and discover the power inside you. Start smiling again, enjoy life, and feel empowered that you can face anything that is in front of you. Visit MyJoyAgain.com for the free ebook or text to 38470. The keyword, joy. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned into you are not alone to reach april joy ford or her guest on today's program you may call into 1-888-346-9141 again that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send april an email her email address is april j ford at joys now back to you are not alone how to rise above life's challenges and we are back with Julian Scaff uh, this week. And before we close out in our last segment today, I think we only have about six minutes or so left, Julian. Uh, before you talk about what's on the horizon for you, I got a message during the break, and they said they would like for you to speak a little bit more on what were some of your topics when it came to some suggestions on work-life balance at your Wonder Woman talk. So I'll just turn the floor to you and give you... Um, you know, the floor as to what were some of your key point topics and solutions and suggestions in, in that keynote. Right. So my, my talk at the uh, Wonder Women Tech Conference was, uh, was actually the title of my talk was The Feminist Tech Company, and it was about um, ways in which to build a culture of equality and inclusion um, in, the, in the tech industry specifically. Um, and so I, you know, um, a lot of these issues, you know, we're well familiar with the fact that, that women are um, grossly underrepresented in the tech industry, um, especially in Silicon Valley companies and especially in technical positions. And so companies like, you know, 
Uh, Google, um, only 17% of, of their uh, technical positions are filled by women. Um, it's pretty similar at other uh, tech companies. Um, and this in spite of the fact, you know, a lot of people don't realize that computer programming was invented by a woman. Um, most people don't realize that Ada Lovelace invented computer programming. Mm-hmm. Um, another another woman, Margaret Hamilton, was one of the pioneers of, of contemporary computer programming um, and actually helped to save the Apollo missions uh, during the 1960s, even missions to the moon. So there's, um, you know, there's no um, uh, competency gap. Um, women actually outperform men in a lot of uh, research uh, in computer programming. Um, so it's really a, a problem of culture, and so I was trying to address this issue of culture. So um, one of the things I identified was that communication is very important. Um, companies need to have uh, uh, open conversations um, about their culture and make sure that they don't have um, what's called this bro culture. It's a very um, uh, masculine um, culture that's discriminatory against women that makes women feel uncomfortable or perhaps uh, overlooked uh, for, for technical positions. Um, okay. You said the bro the, culture? Yeah, you know, what they call bro culture. There's a term programmers. It's, you know, you get these all-male programming teams. Um, and and there's, a, there's a lot of, of subtle um, discrimination as well. So it's not necessarily overt sexual discrimination, but, but just a culture that's unfriendly to women. Um, and that's um, uh, uh, very male-oriented. Um, promoting women is, is very important. Um, and um, work-life balance is a big part of that as well. And so um, a lot of tech companies have this, uh, this culture where you're expected to be at work, you know, 12 hours a day. Um, and that's simply not conducive if you have a family. Um, and for some of these companies, they, they may be reluctant to hire women because they say, well, if she gets pregnant, then she will leave, you know, we'll lose her or she won't want to work 12 hours a day. Um, and so promoting work-life balance is good for both men and women. Um, there's a, actually a lot of research that shows that, you know, working long hours actually decreases productivity regardless right. of gender. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a way to, to help make uh, company cultures uh, much more gender inclusive. Um, so right. work-life balance is a big part of that as well. Yeah. And I like how you brought up that it's both not just for women, but also men in terms of efficiency and productivity. But when you're starting a family, you know, like I said, when they isolated that comment to what if she gets pregnant one day, like, well, okay, who did she get pregnant by? I mean, there's obviously some sort of father figure in place. I mean, does it, does he not have a role as well in the child's life? Exactly. And, and, uh, that's, that's something that's um, obviously gender discriminatory. Is you know, if if a man's partner gets pregnant, and has a child, it's not assumed that he's going to leave or you know <laughs> work fewer hours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and and um, I, uh, I I always kind of laugh about that because I um, I had the, the the privilege and the honor of, of being a stay at home dad through the first uh, six or seven years of my son's life. Um, and I really cherish that I have the opportunity to do that. But I also recognize that um, when I did things with my son or, or just the fact that I was a stay-at-home dad, I got a lot more credit for it than, um, than his mother would have. <laughs> it's kind of expected that the mother would yeah. take care of the child. But when, it, when a father right. does something to the child, 
then he's doing something extraordinary above and beyond. Which extra which kudos. Is, of course, Great. you're Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, make sure you guys listen to Julian's replay again. It's on VoiceAmerica.com, and just click on the live events tab, and you'll see his name listed on the archives on the right hand page for the Wonder Woman Tech Conference. So in closing, Julian, um, tell us what's on the horizon with what you're working on, and how can our listeners get a hold of you. Uh, well, first of all, I've I've got an online blog, and it's uh, jscaff.com. Uh, and actually, the um, I wrote up an article based on my talk at the Winter Women Tech Conference, so you can read the article there, uh, as well as some of my other uh, articles. Um, what's next on, me, uh, on the horizon? Um, I just finished up a, a hackathon, a design hackathon, um, on uh, social uh, innovation uh, for Los Angeles, especially disadvantaged communities. And working with uh, several groups in the city, including um, the L.A. Mayor's Office for Innovation, um, and also uh, a TEDx conference locally called TEDx Crenshaw. That's uh, it's actually the only, only TEDx event um, in South Central L.A. And so working with the local communities just on an envir- uh, uh, environmental, social, and um, uh, issues of social justice and economic justice and things like that. Oh, great. Already, everybody, and we apologize, we, you know, always run out of time, and make sure you guys check out Julian's um, website and his blog and his latest information on that hackathon. Sounds very interesting. I am April Joy Ford here on Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith and I give my love and light so others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone. appreciate your joining us this week for you are not alone please tune in for another edition with host april joy ford next tuesday at 7 p.m eastern time 4 p.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel we can't wait to talk again next week